Amen. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture reading is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God. Good morning, family of God. Good morning. One of the things that we're going to talk about today is the idea of sharing your testimony. Everybody say testimony. Testimony. So I'd like to begin today by sharing with you my testimony. And when we talk about sharing a testimony, we just mean sharing the story of how did you come to know Jesus? Okay. Now, as far as my personal testimony, I had the tremendous, tremendous blessing which some of some of you here have had and others have not of growing up in a family that knew God. I grew up in a family that loved God, that loved me, that walked with God and shared the gospel. And the reason I had that blessing is because what God had been doing in my family generations before my, my mom also grew up in a family that knew God. So we had generations of Christian faithfulness and all the blessing that that brings coming to me. Huge blessing on that side. My dad's story was a little bit different. And he does not remember hearing or at least not understanding the gospel at any point during his childhood or his early adolescence. But when he was, I think, a senior in high school at Grant High School down the, down the street, um, he was kind of at a turning point in his life where his life was beginning to go some directions that could, could lead to a very negative and destructive place. But by God's grace, one night he came in and turned on the TV and there was the evangelist Billy Graham on TV. And he heard the simple message, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. 
and rose from the dead. And if you believe in him, you can be forgiven and be born again. And God did something in my dad's heart. Listen, people don't usually get their life transformed by watching five minutes of television. But God did a work of grace in my dad's heart. He believed the gospel. He thought, yes, I need a new start. Yes, I, I want to trust in Jesus. And, and he did. And it was a long journey of, of then growing in that relationship with Christ. But because of that, some 12 or 13 years later, when I came around, I had the blessing of being born into a family where from before I have memories, I was already being told God created you. God loves you. God loved you enough to send Jesus, the son of God, to die on the cross for your sins. So you could have a relationship with him. And Jesus rose from the grave. So if you trust in Christ, you can have new life and the hope of resurrection with him forever. I just heard that message over and over and over and over and over again. Let me say, by the way, to some parents in the room. I know raising little kids is a challenge. It's a great blessing, but it's not an easy blessing. Amen. And sometimes when you're uh, doing that hard work of raising those precious kids, it's easy to get discouraged and feel like, man, all I'm doing is changing diapers and picking up socks and folding laundry and tucking in kids. And, and what's really, is there really spiritual fruit coming from my life? But you don't know the eternal impact that you're having just by loving your kids and telling them about Jesus over and over and over. That can impact generations and thousands. And so since I grew up in that environment, um, from a very young age, I started to believe that God loved me. I started to believe that uh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And um, as time went on, though, I also became deeply aware that though God loved me, there was a problem inside of me. I kept disobeying my parents. I kept acting out selfishly. I wanted to do good. I wanted to do what's right, but I kept finding myself also not wanting to do good. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And even when I wanted to do good, I felt like I couldn't carry it out. Now, the Bible ha has a word for that. Y'all know what it's called. What's the word? Sin. That's right. Everybody say sin. sin. And I became deeply aware that there was something wrong inside of me that I couldn't fix. I needed somebody else to fix it. And I began to connect that with those Bible stories I was hearing. And I remember one night as a pretty small child going to church and hearing uh, somebody told a story at church. And I don't remember all the details, but the point of the story was that Jesus could come back very soon. We don't know when he's coming back, but it could be soon. And when Jesus comes back, that's a good day for the world. That's the day that evil is defeated and everything is set right. But I remember there was this stirring in my heart. If Jesus came back right now, I know he's good and I know he loves me, but I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'm right with God. I've done a, a lot of bad things and there's something wrong with me. I need to be forgiven. I need a new start. And I that night, I remember asking my mom, talking to her about this and saying, what do I do? And would you talk to me? Would you pray with me? And she began to explain to me more clearly. Listen, all of us have that problem that you're talking about. It's sin. But if you'll trust Jesus, he'll forgive you and he'll accept you into God's family. And you can know that you're right with him. And that night, I remember praying, God, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, give me a new heart. Jesus, change me. And he did. And there was this profound sense of joy, of a new beginning in my life. Now, I was young enough that that was the very small beginning of a very long journey. But over the coming years and decades, little by little, God would teach me how to have a relationship with him, how to pray, how to read the Bible at church. I was like most kids, you know, wiggling and stirring up distractions and whatever. But as time went on, I learned to listen and to worship the Lord and there was a, all that sinful stuff in me. It didn't go away overnight, but God started going to work on my selfishness. And here, 31 years later, God's still working on my selfishness. 
He's still working on my pride. He's still helping me overcome those things. But more than that, he's been changing my heart so that I love him now. And I want a relationship with him and I want to know him and I love people. And he's changed the way that I see other people. I used to just see people for what I could get out of them. But now I see people as created and loved by God. That's the difference that the gospel makes. And I started wanting to have other people know him. Now, that's my story. And every time you hear the story about someone coming to know Jesus, it's a story about God's grace. Isn't God good to be gracious to all of us? Now, Now, here's the thing. You have a story, too. Some of you here, I assume there's people in the room who you're here because you're spiritually seeking and thinking about if you want to become a Christian. And that's great. I'm so glad you're here. There's a lot of people in the room who are here because you're already Christians. And if you're a Christian, your story is different than mine. Every one of us is unique and we all have a unique story. For example, we could talk about what some of those differences may be. I came to know Christ when I was very young. I told you my dad was about 18 when he came to know Christ. And some but some people in this room came to know Christ. I'm looking around. I see somebody that I remember praying with you to receive Christ when you were in your 50s. There's other people in this room who came to know Christ in college or different stages of your life. So when you came to know Christ is different for all of us. Who led you to Christ? For me, it was influences of church, but especially parents. And my mom got to be there the moment I trusted Christ. For, for some of you, it was a friend or for some of you, you started watching a bunch of videos on the Internet and decided Christianity was real. It was different things for different people. Some of you, like me, have a moment you can point to. You remember clearly, this is when I decided to trust in Christ. Others of you, it was like a process. You don't know when that one moment was, but at some point along the road, you started believing in Jesus. All of our stories are different, right? And after you trusted Christ, all of us have had our own unique stories of growing in our faith. Our stories are different, but if you're a Christian, there are some common elements that are in all of our testimonies. One of the common elements that we all have is if we're Christians, at some point, somebody told us a story about Jesus, right? And we heard that gospel, maybe like my dad, we only heard it once or but for most of us, we heard it a lot of times. How many people heard the gospel more than once before you trusted Jesus? That's the vast majority of us, right? We probably heard that story a lot of times. And over time, it changed the way that we saw God and that we saw ourselves. And we began to trust in Jesus Christ. And that started to change us from the inside out. And one of the things that it changed about us is we started seeing other people in a new way so that we wanted them to experience the freedom and grace that we've experienced. If you can uh, relate to any of those aspects of that testimony, say amen. Amen. That's the story of, of the Christian. Now, I tell you that right now to set us up to see that in our passage of Scripture today, Paul is talking about some stuff that's true, but it's not just true. It's real. Which means this is not just true philosophical or religious ideas, Paul is talking about the real story of everyone who knows Jesus, including everybody in this room. Now, what we're reading from Second Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to some Christians in the city of Corinth. And he wrote this letter under a particular set of circumstances. He had been going around sharing the gospel and starting churches. But as he was following Jesus, he, he got some enemies. He got some critics. They began to criticize his ministry. And criticized the gospel he was preaching. And so for the sake of the gospel, he ended up having to defend and explain his ministry. So that's what's happening in this passage. But in the process of it, he highlights some deep truths. We don't have time to dig into all of it today. But let me just highlight for you a few deep truths that are in this passage that are relevant to the story of every single Christian. The first thing is that to become a Christian, the beginning of the journey is that we hear the gospel 
believe we're united to Christ and thus we become a new creation. Everybody say new creation. New creation. If you want to see this, look with me at verse 17. Verse 17. Here's what Paul said. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we'll pause right there. Everybody say in Christ. In Christ. Now, those are two of Paul's favorite words, and he uses those words to talk about the reality. He doesn't explain the whole thing right here. He explains it elsewhere. And I'm just filling you in. But he's talking about the reality that when you hear the message that Jesus is the son of God who died for you and rose again, and now he's exalted as the king and Lord of creation. When you hear that message and believe it in it, you're connected to Jesus. Your baptism is a public way that you identify with Jesus and you're connected to him. You're in Christ. And it goes on to say, if anyone is in Christ and here's our other two words, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All the sinful, self-destructive impulses that we're in, we were born with, Jesus starts weakening those so they don't have to control us anymore. Isn't that great news? But not only that, he begins to awaken new godly impulses. We love God. We love people. And one of the things that begins to change in us is the way that we see other people. Paul here tells us that one of the marks of a new creation is that we see other people in a new way. Look with me at verse 16. Right before the verse we just read. Verse 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, when Paul uses the word flesh, he's talking about not your body. He uses this word to talk about sinful, selfish impulses. And because of sin, most of us are born spending most of our time relating to people about what we can get from them. Okay? He says, we don't look at people that way anymore. We used to relate to people based on what they could do for us, what we could get from them. Or are they going to help me achieve my goals? Or are they going to block my goals? Or are they going to make me happy or not? He says, we don't do that anymore. He says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Listen, in Paul's story, he did not believe in Jesus. He thought Jesus was a fake, a phony, a fraud. And he tried everything he could do to stop the Christian church until the resurrected Lord Jesus appeared to him. He says, I used to evaluate Jesus in a sinful way, but no more. Now I'm a new creation and God has caused me to see Jesus and everybody else in a new perspective. What it means is now when we see a human being, we don't first see what can they do for me or what relationship do they have for me? We begin to see this person was created by God. This person is loved by God. This person has a soul which is made to know God. Down in the core of who they are, they're beautiful. Whatever skin color they are, they're beautiful. Whatever language they speak, they're beautiful. Whatever things they've done good and whatever horrible things they've done in their life, they're still beautiful and loved by God. We see people in a new way. And we know that death is not the end for any of us. Death is the beginning. And we want people to experience the forgiveness and the healing that we've had. So this new way of seeing people then leads to the next reality in this passage. Paul says... We have become ambassadors of Christ. Now, he's talking about himself and the, his team that goes around planting churches. But the stuff he's saying here uh, indirectly applies to all of us as Christians, because we're all called to be ambassadors. Everybody say ambassador. ambassador. Listen, if you're an ambassador from the United States of America, that means you go to another country, but you're representing the message of this country and its government government. To be an ambassador means King Jesus is in charge of the whole universe. Amen? Amen. He's got the authority, but we're his representatives. We're his messengers. Look what Paul says, verses 18 through 20. All this is from God. 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say ambassadors. Ambassadors. King Jesus is in charge. We're just the messengers. And then I love this next phrase. Our sermon title today comes from this next phrase. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Hey, we're continuing today our series called God's Mission and Ours. Today we're talking about evangelism. Here's how I want you to think about evangelism. God's grace finds you where you are lost and stuck and in a world of trouble. It saves you. It makes you a new creation. It helps you to see people in a new way and to love people. And then you start just telling people the truth about Jesus. And what you find is that God is making his appeal through you. So here's the message. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, it's not you. It's God in you. It's God through you. That's evangelism. God wants to save people, but he wants to use you as the simple messenger. Now, real quick, before I stop talking for a second, let Jared talk for a second. Let's answer two other questions at the beginning. What are the motives for evangelism and what is the message? If we're sharing the gospel, what are we sharing? Let's take that second question first. What is our message? Well, in Second Corinthians, it's clear um, when we share the gospel, evangelism just means proclaiming the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And all that means is we're telling people the truth about what Jesus did for us. We're telling people the truth about God's love and salvation in and through Jesus Christ. And this text includes several things, what that means. One of the key things it means is that on his cross, Jesus got what we deserved so that we could get what he deserves. That's what verse 21 is about. Look at that. It says, for our sake, he, that is God, the father made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We could spend hours unpacking that verse, but let's say real quick, here's what it means. Jesus is the eternal son of God, the creator of the universe, but he clothed himself with human weakness. He came and lived among us a righteous life. And then he died on the cross, not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it. He took on himself our guilt, our sin, our shame. The worst moment that you've ever done, the shameful thing that comes up and makes you feel bad in the middle of the night. Jesus already bore it. He paid the price for it, which means you don't have to bear it anymore. And then he rose again. Jesus, therefore, deserves what he got, which is to be glorified and exalted forever and to reign as king of the universe. Not only does he deserve it, but deserve it, but he's got it. And if we trust in him, we're united to him. Everybody say in Christ, which means we get adopted as sons of God and we get what he deserves, which is to reign with him and the new creation. Isn't that glorious news? The text also makes it clear that we tell people the truth about Jesus That they can become a new creation. They can be reconciled with God, which means their relationship with God, which was broken by sin, can be healed. They can be forgiven. We seek to persuade people, as verse 11 says. That doesn't mean we manipulate people or pressure people. It just means we do our best to help people understand why we think this gospel is true and how we've seen it's beautiful and good. We persuade people and we lovingly invite people to respond to us. Look again, verse 20. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That means with all of our friends and family and loved ones and neighbors, we don't have to try and force anything on them. We just tell them the truth about Jesus and we say, man, we've experienced freedom and salvation with him. Why don't you come try Jesus out? Come trust him. Come walk with him. 
Turn from your sin. He'll give you life. That's evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. Evangelism. Today we're talking about the first aspect of our community mission, sharing the gospel with our neighbors in South Oklahoma City and beyond. We want to share this gospel. Now, I just downloaded all the theology. For the rest of the day, we're going to get practical. Would you like to get practical for a few minutes? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, let's get practical. Let's get practical. Here's the truth. Some people are natural, God-gifted evangelists. There's a few of them in this room. I'm looking around and seeing some of them. You love to share the gospel. You do it all the time without even noticing that you're doing it, and you're good at it. It's wonderful to have those in the body of Christ. For a lot of us, we struggle with it. We feel like it's hard, and we feel like we're not good at it. Both of those deserve an amen. Amen? Amen. That was a lot of amens in a row. Now, here's what I want to encourage you with before... Jared starts giving you some practical tips. Ultimately, remember what verse 20 said. The power does not come from you. The power does not come from you. God's going to save people, not because you're great, a great communicator, not because you're very persuasive or very knowledgeable. God's going to save people because God is a mighty savior. But it's God working through you that if you'll just be faithful to share with people about Jesus, he's going to do his work. He's going to do his work. The second thing is we're not alone. Evangelism is a team sport and not like golf where we all go out on our own and then our scores get added up. It's a team sport like what? Soccer or basketball or football. We all work together so that our gifts complement each other and we can help each other. So the evangelists in the room are here to help the rest of us figure out what we're doing. Speaking of which, Jerry's an evangelist. So, Jerry, would you help us out real quick? Yeah. My... Is my mic on? Yes. I should have asked, was mine on? Yeah. Great. Dude. It's wonderful when both the mics work. Y'all, y'all don't understand. My, my, my heart is pounding. I am so excited about this topic. I'm so excited. Can, can, you, can you feel the, the zeal coming off of John Mark right now? Guys, I, 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 I want you to, to, to think about this real quick. I want you to think about this real quick. The God of the universe... The God of the universe has come to you, come to you and gave you life. He's transformed your life. Your testimony has power. Amen. We overcome by what? The word of the testimony, y'all. I, 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 I want us to understand this. This is, this is, this is our great hope. This is why we share it every week. This is why... I'm so excited right now. My heart is beating. Because when I get to share my testimony, I get to share why my eternal destiny has been changed. Amen. That's right. You do too. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. I'm going to share with you a couple tools today. A couple tools. They're both from the Navigators. And they're both helping us to kind of structure some things so that we can get good about writing down and have it in our mind while having flexibility by, by, with the Holy Spirit to help us share the gospel with others. So we do the work on our part and we allow for God to work through us like verse 20 calls us to. Okay? So here's, here's what, it, what this tool is. It's from the Navigators. If you have community groups or if you want to come talk to me afterwards, I will give you this tool. I would love to give it to you, but I'm just going to go through it really quickly. Um, and share with you a couple practical tips. The tool starts off by reminding us that we need to be ready in season and out of season, 1 Peter 3, 15. 
And then it points us to this reality that we had other brothers who did this for us and modeled this for us. And we don't have to just look to somebody else. We can also look to the scriptures. In Acts 20, 26, Paul stood before King Agrippa. And he started sharing before his salvation, how he met Christ, and after conversion, what it looked like to walk with him. And I want to do that right now, and I want to model this for you with my own testimony. You know, um, there's times where I just want to share this like little quick, quick and helpful tip. Be a question asker. Be a question asker and an active listener. Uh, there's been several times where I have written out my testimony on, uh, on purpose. I was just writing it out. And then I started asking, what are some of those motivations that John Mark was talking about? What are some of those motivations for me to come to know Christ? What are some of those background things that were running through my hand, those narratives that were in my head that, let, that I, I needed to find out what, what was God doing in my life and how was he transforming my life? And so I'm just going to use one example right here. Everybody say, um, sorry, I'm blanking on this. Everybody say, um, insecurities. Insecurity. That, that is what my life was like before Christ. I, uh, I spent a lot of my young life as a young black boy in a majority white school, in a majority white neighborhood. Uh, my mom was very intentional. She was going to move us out of the hood. She was not going to have us grow up in, in, in schools that weren't going to teach me. And so she moved. She got a hut home with her husband. And uh, we all moved to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And I started going to Broken Arrow High School. Um, or Broken Arrow Middle School and Broken Arrow Elementary. And uh, my whole life I was dealing with these insecurities. And um, the way that I found a solution, the number two says, what solutions for your life did you try that didn't work? I was searching for solutions in athletics. Y'all, y'all know me. Y'all stood next to me. I'm kind of tall. <laughs> and I, I love to hoop. It was, it was so good. But there was a lot of motivations behind that. It wasn't just that I just loved it for the game. I was really searching out to to be um, sought and seen. I wanted to be seen and known. And um, I would do this, and, you know, lo and behold, I started getting kind of good at basketball. And people started coming around and watching games, and scouts started coming to games and talking to me. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, man, okay. So now, uh, now I'm getting noticed. People who I didn't know would come up to me and be like, hey, good game, man, you're awesome, yada, yada. I continued on this journey for, you know, all my high school and college, just kind of searching, searching, searching. The next point says, that, that was the before part, the next part says how. What were the circumstances that caused you to consider Christ? When I was in college, um, we had like the best record our, our school had ever had in school history. It was amazing. It was a beautiful year. Was, everything was going great. We went, we got um, qualified for nationals. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I started feeling myself getting kind of sad my senior year of college. 
And I was still wondering, where is my significance coming from? I don't really have an identity. What am I going to do with my life? And so God one night came and I think touched me on the shoulder while I was up still searching. I would, get, I would make beats and instrumentals and things like that at late at night. And I was just searching for some, some, some answers. I would Google while I was doing that and I was looking up things and, and I, I just couldn't find the answers. And one night God touched me. And I, I said, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to go talk to my friend, Zach Gaddis. My friend, Zach Gaddis, was a pastor's kid. Well, still is a pastor's kid, technically. And he uh, was at, at the same school as I, on the same basketball team as I. And he, uh, you know, at the time, he was wondering about how he should follow Jesus at the same time. So I went to his room, and I just started downloading what just happened to me the night before. What? What is, what is this? I don't, I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I need, like, help. And we were playing NBA 2K, y'all. And uh, I, he was probably beating me at the time. That's all right. That's all right. We went back and forth. And he, uh, he ended up dro- dropping his controller as I'm talking to him and stopping the game in the middle of the game. You never stop the game in 2K. You just don't. You know what I'm saying? You balling. It's time to win. And he stopped the game. And he was like, man, I've been watching some TV pastors. And I feel like God is telling me that I need to start following him. And I said, bro, I think that's what God's saying to me too. And so we started reading through the Gospels. And I got to Matthew chapter 633. Oh my goodness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Amen. And I realized for the first time, y'all, my, God didn't just die on the cross. I heard that message so many times. God didn't just die on the cross for my sins. He also came to make me a new creation. Amen. Give me a new identity. And it changed my life. I looked at that scripture for the first time and it just, it just blew my mind. I said, yes. Jesus, that's what I want. I want you to change my heart. I want you to make me new. And I gave my life to Jesus right then. Amen. Yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> you can clap for that. Amen. But that journey was not done. See, the, 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 the real beauty of this tool, and for some of you guys, I know you talked about uh, John Mark talked about that there's so many different aspects, even if you grew up in a Christian home. One of the be- more beautiful things that I've heard sometimes, my, my wife, my wife share what God is doing in her life right now. Did you catch that? One of the more beautiful things about the testimony that I've seen is what God is doing in her life right now. It's beautiful. And I can give you some examples of my story, what God is doing in my life. God took me from McPherson to Tulsa, back to McPherson, which is where I went to college at, back to Tulsa, and then somehow I made it up here to Oklahoma City because God sent me here. And all throughout that way, all throughout that way, God was showing me that eternal life was not something that was like way distant in the future, but it was happening right now. As I started reading through the Gospel of John, I got to John chapter 17. 
okay, which is a book in the Bible from somebody who is a witness to the things of Christ. And when I got to 17, Jesus starts his high priestly prayer, and he starts praying for believers, and he asks, he asks, <laughs> he says, this is eternal life. And let me summarize it for you, that they know God the Father, and that they know the one whom he sent. And every step of the way that I've gone on since following Jesus that day has led me to knowing deeply and more deeper the love of Christ and what he has done for me. And my testimony gets more beautiful each passing year. As I see, God had a plan and purpose way bigger than I could even imagine. My, guys, I have a wife now. (laughs) I did not plan that. (laughs) I got a son now. He's awesome. And I love spending time with him. And it's way bigger than I could even think of. All of that. And then I, I, as I read the scriptures, I just see so much more coming. And that's my testimony, y'all. That's my testimony. Very simple. You can take that and you can write your own story. And you can use this tool that I hope that you come up to me if you don't. After service, come up to me and I'll give it to you. I'll send you a link to it. If you're a community group, you should already have a, have a link in your group me. And you could share that over and over again. And you know what? Sometimes I share that and I stay there and that's it. And then I invite people to come know Jesus. But other times we continue on with the story and we use a different tool called the bridge. Everybody say the bridge. The bridge. Now, I love the bridge. I love the bridge. Man, um, it is so beautiful. And I only use one verse to, to share the bridge. I love simple tools. Don't y'all love simple things? <laughs> Sometimes we make things too complicated. <laughs> but I love simple tools. And so it, it starts off by just on a blank sheet of paper, a napkin, or anything like that. Just writing down, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. And I memorized it by saying the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the free gift, and I'll explain it more in a little bit why I use free gift often. But I just start writing it down. And as I'm writing it down, I start sharing the the good news and the bad news of the gospel. First with the bad news. That in the beginning, God created everything. And his crown jewel of creation was human beings. Or the best part of creation is human beings. And so I start drawing a little mountain on one side. And I put God here on that side of the mountain. And I put people. I actually put people on that side to begin with. Then, Then everything went wrong. Human beings rebelled against God. They sinned. And then I take that sentence that I wrote with the Romans 6.23, and I circle sin. They sinned against God. And then I erase the people from that side, and I start making another mountain on the other side. And then I draw a stick figure here, and I write sin on that side underneath the mountain. And I say... Hey, do you know what sin is? Remember, we ask questions. 
their understanding, their understanding of the gospel and of these different terms is more important than mine is right now because I'm sharing it with them. So I want them to, I want them to share it. And so they, so they come and they say certain things like, um, you know, bad things. And if it's good, I affirm it. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what sin is. If it's not, then I help, I helpfully, you know, lead them to just a generic answer for sin, which is anything we think, say, or do that disobeys God. And then I continue on with the sentence. And it says wages. For the wages of sin is death. Now draw a little arrow from sin down to wages. And I ask, you know, if it's a, an adult, I don't belittle them. You know, everybody knows what a wage is if you're an adult. But if it's a kid, sometimes they don't. But if I ask them this question, hey, when you go to work, what you, what's supposed to happen afterwards? And you know what they say? You're supposed to get paid. You're supposed to get money. <laughs> they, and uh, I actually had experience with this this week, and I'll tell you more about it later on in the sermon. It's, it was really beautiful. They, they, they say, yeah, I'm supposed to get paid. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. So what you deserve for your work, okay, is like a wage. Well, look at what the verse is saying. The wages of sin has what? And then I circle death. And I put death there at the bottom and draw another arrow to it. Now, at this point, I start explaining to them, hey, now this death is not just, it's not just, you know, physical death. Have you ever experienced somebody, and I start asking questions, somebody dying in your family? You know that's not, you know that's not good, right? Yeah, it's, it's terrible. But I think this is a deeper death here in this verse. Because the next sentence explains that the free gift of God is eternal life. So, death here actually means eternal death. Because when we sin, we were separated from God forever. We, this big chasm here in the middle is, is the fact that we have sinned against God. And we can no longer get back to Him. And then I start explaining all the different things that human beings try to do to, in order to get back to God. We try good religion. We try being good people. We try loving people. All great things. All good things. But it's not enough to get back to God. You can think about the best person you know. And as they jump, they might jump a little bit farther than you. But they still, not, they still don't have enough to get to the other side. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. The best part of this verse is the but. Everybody say but. But. But the free gift, and I start writing on the other side, free gift uh, on God's side. I say free gift and the right but in the middle. The free gift of God is eternal life. And I write eternal life. And then I start drawing a cross in the middle, bridging the two gaps. Eternal life in Christ Jesus. And I write Christ Jesus across our Lord. And typically, I, I just love to do this, but I would draw a king, like a king's hat on top of the cross. And I ask him, hey, have you ever received a gift before? And they're all like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it was a good thing, right? They're like, yeah. Well, think about it this way. The verse says, free gift of God. 
Okay? So for you, it was free. For you, it was free. But for God, it was very costly. If you think about it, anytime you give a gift or get a, get a gift, somebody else had to pay for it. This cost God everything. He had to give his only son on a cross so that we could get what Jesus deserved and Jesus could get what we deserve. So all you have to do is trust in Jesus. So I write trust across the top of the cross, or sometimes I write believe, and I walk them through the ABCs. Admit that you are a sinner, that you died on the cross, that, that you have sinned against God. Excuse me. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and confess that Jesus is Lord. I lead them through that and ask them, hey, do, is today the day that you would like to make that decision to follow Christ and to be made new in him? And, you know, from there I've been told yes. From there I've been told no. We rejected. But they've heard the gospel and the good news is good news, whether it's re- accepted or rejected. I think sometimes we have to be okay with this. I'm going to share this one last thing before I pass it back to John Mark. But I want to share this because I think this is like an, an act of fear for a lot of us. That sometimes we're afraid for the conversation to go ways we don't want it to go. Or we get this tool and we want it to go a certain way. And yet we're afraid that if we don't have all the answers, that we can't, you know, share the gospel. But I'm just here to tell you, you don't have to have all the answers to share the gospel. You, you can ask those questions and allow people to respond. Because as people respond to what you're saying, a lot of times you get down to their deep motivations. And you can speak to those directly. So I just want to encourage us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to share the gospel. It is that simple. And it's only one verse. Free gift of God, eternal life. And we can, we can do that. All of us can do that. Very simply. Amen. Hey, Jerry just shared with you some practical tips. Some, some gold. Could you tell from the way he told the story that this is stuff he's actually done? A lot of times. He's not saying, in theory, if a person wanted to share the gospel, he's saying, this is what I have done. And I will say to you, those two tools that he just shared with you, how to share your testimony. Everybody say testimony. Testimony. You tell about your life before Christ, your sin and your spiritual struggle. You share about how you came to know Christ, and you share about what God has done in your life since, especially what he's doing right now. That's one tool. And the other tool is how to share the gospel with just one verse, using Romans 6.23. Those two tools, somebody, those two tools were taught to me early in my spiritual life. I don't even remember when. Uh, but they were taught to me early. And since then, I have used that combination probably hundreds of times and seen dozens of people commit their life to Christ. It's real. It's simple. So if you want to practice those tools, um, let me just say, there's only so much you can get out of listening to sermons in general. Amen? Amen. <laughs> listening to sermons is not enough for your life. We, we need people to help us. We need practical help. So your community group leaders have hopefully already sent to you. If not, you get on them on GroupMe right now and ask them to put it in the group, GroupMe or whatever group text you guys use. They should have sent to you the two handouts he was talking about. How to share your testimony and one verse evangelism. And you can look at those handouts. We'll probably put them on Facebook also this week. So you can look, click the link and you can listen 
go to the podcast and listen to Jared explain those again. And then practice with your community group. That's the goal. In your community group, you're going to be sharing your testimonies with each other. You're going to be practicing using Romans 6.23, sharing the gospel with one verse, so that we can all be ready if there's an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation. Sound like a plan? Yep. All right. Before we wrap up, let me share a couple other things with you. I want to come back for a second to the question of motivation. Now, in this text, there are multiple motivations mentioned, but I just want to recenter us on one of them, which is in verse 14. Look at those first few verses. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Why do we share the gospel? Well, there's multiple reasons. Verse 11, he mentions the fear of the Lord, by which Paul does not mean I'm afraid of being punished, but he means I love Jesus so much that I don't want to do anything that disrupts my relationship with him, and I want to do everything I can to please him. And that motivates me. But the deeper motivation is here in verse 14. The love of Christ controls us. What that means is when I understand how much God has loved me, now I start, that love starts flowing through me. And when I see other people, I think, I want them to be forgiven. I want them to know the joy of having a relationship with God. And it keeps me, if I feel tired, if I feel insecure, if I feel scared, I just keep going anyway because I love people. So the powerful motivation is love. Everybody say love. Love. That's what keeps us going. Now, let me, before Jared shares a few words to wrap up, let me give you a few other practical considerations. I'm going to assume... That you're going to listen to what Jared just said. You're going to go to community group. You're going to practice so you know how to share your testimony and share the gospel. Now, the next question is, how do you get in a situation where you can do those things? Okay, let me give you a few practical pointers right now. If you'll tune in with me for just a second. First of all, this last week, as we were prepping for this sermon, I went and looked at all the research groups that research. How are people coming to know Christ in the United States right now? And what I found was nothing surprising. So I went to Barna and Lifeway and Biola, everybody that's studying. How do people come to know Christ? Here's the basic patterns that they investigated. Point one, people come to know Christ in a lot of different ways. Don't limit the Holy Spirit. Amen. They come to know Christ in a lot of different ways. However, there are some identifiable patterns. Okay. Point number one is most people are led to Christ by somebody that they have a close relationship with. Is that surprising? No. We, we would listen to people that we trust. So it's a family member. It's a close friend. It could be a neighbor or a co-worker once there's been a relationship established, a friendship. So most people come to know Christ through the witness of somebody they have the relationship with. This, after that, the next largest group of people is led to Christ by somebody on church staff. That shouldn't be surprising either because people are used to if your body feels sick, you go to a doctor. If you're worried about your soul, you go to a pastor, or a minister. Right. That's how people think in our culture. So uh, first is close relationship. Second is church staff. Uh, that's that's worth noting. Another thing that all the research shows is the most likely time for somebody to come to know Christ is during their elementary school age. That's the most likely kind time. Makes sense. You begin making life decisions that are headed towards God or away from God. Right. Jesus says some things about you have to have the heart of a child to come to know Christ. The second most likely Time to come to know Christ is in junior high and high school. The third most likely time to come to know Christ is in college years or 20s. Do you hear a pattern here? God could save anybody. Like I said, there's people in this room that came to know Jesus in their 40s, 50s and 60s. Isn't that good? But especially people come to know Christ when, when they're young, when they're opened up. Now, I'm going to talk about a few implications of that. I want to talk about how do you effectively share the gospel 
using the two tools that we mentioned last time, or the two ways of thinking about mission. One of them is personal organic ministry, personal organic evangelism. And the other one is strategic, intentional corporate evangelism. Okay, if we want to talk about strategic, intentional corporate evangelism, I'll just make it real simple. If you think about the three Christ Community Church ministry teams that we're always trying to get people to join, they are intentionally focused on reaching the young, children, youth, and college students. Not limited to that, uh, but there's an emphasis on that. And they are intentionally focused on methods that we can work together to build close relationships in the community so that we have friendships in the neighborhood or in the school or on the college campus. And they're putting you in a position where you're going out there as a Bible study leader or something so that even though you may not be a pastor or church staff, people look at you as the church person that they can have a spiritual conversation with. You see that? So those ministry teams are designed to put you in the situation that is going to make it likely for you get to get to have these gospel conversations easily, which is why we've seen hundreds of people come to know Christ through those teams. OK, but second of all, here's some tips about personal organic evangelism. This is so simple. It, it's it's almost feels like too obvious to say it out loud, but sometimes just saying it out loud causes us to think intentionally about it. I'd encourage you to jot these steps down. If you're thinking about how do I share the gospel effectively, how do I get to my testimony with a neighbor or a coworker? Or family member that doesn't know the Lord. I'm jot, jot these down. These are the steps that I've used a billion times with people and seen God do wonderful things. One, this is so obvious. Be intentionally loving and kind. Isn't that simple? Everybody say, be nice. Be nice. <laughs> but I say be intentionally loving and kind because it's easier at work to take a lunch break by yourself and get some work done, isn't it? But if you put a little intentional effort, now you're taking a lunch break with people in your office that you don't know don't know Jesus. Okay, and you might have to listen to them gossip and complain about their job the whole time, but that's okay because the love of Christ compels us. Amen. Amen. So be intentionally kind and loving. Second step, take practical steps to build a friendship. Listen, in your neighborhood, there's easy ways to start doing this at Christmas. Take a Christmas card and cookies to your neighbors. Nobody's going to be like, that's too weird. (laughs) Have have you ever got mad at somebody for giving you a Christmas card and cookies? No. No. You can take a Christmas card and cookies to your neighbors. You can invite them to a birthday party or get together at your house, right? Simple steps. With work, ask some people to go get coffee with you or to go get lunch with you. It's that simple. Take this step, practical step to build a friendship. Three, take a real interest in their lives and ask questions. This is what Jared's talking about. If you love people, you're going to care about their life. Ask yourself this simple question. Do you feel more loved by people who ask you questions about yourself or more loved by people that only talk to you about what they care about? Easy question, right? Love people. Ask them questions about their lives. As you do that, it will become natural to ask them, hey, what do you you think about God? Did you grow up around church? And people like to tell you what they think about stuff, including what they think about God. And then that makes it real easy. This is the next step. After you've asked about their spiritual lives, ask them the simple question, would you mind if I share with you a story about my spiritual journey? I have taken that that step of just relating to people in natural ways with people I've known for 10 years and with people I've known for 10 minutes and made it easy. When you ask them, would you mind if I share with you a simple story about my spiritual journey? Guess what they all say? Yes. And now they just ask you to share your testimony. And I've done that hundreds of times and, and got to talk to people about the gospel. So there's some simple tips how you can get to that place where it's easy to do what Jared just trained you to do. Now, Jared, it's time for you to bring us home in this sermon. Hey, just remember, I know we've been up here for a long time, but afterwards there's pizza today. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. <laughs>
Y'all remember, it's God who's making the appeal through us. It is the grace of God that is just working through you all the time. And I see it. I see it all the time. Y'all, you don't have to feel super skilled in doing it. All we have to do is have a willing heart, a good heart. And I I, I also just want to kind of like echo a little bit of what John Mark was just sharing. We do this individually. We also do this in teams. Y'all, this week, it was it was so beautiful. I was actually, I'm going to use his name, Lex, because I don't want to share his name on, on a live stream or things like that. But we've been ministering to his kid, uh, Ale and I, at Remington for the past over half a decade. And we've been sharing the gospel each week. And this week, I, I was just really felt like I needed to share the gospel with him again because he's heard it several times, has made an indication, but there's not really been a lot of change. Um, and I really want to see him walk with, walk with God. He's been with us for so long. And so I started sitting down with him and I'm sharing with him that tool, literally sharing with him that tool. Something that I've used, I don't know, all kinds of times. And there's a young girl named A. I'm just going to use A for her name. And she's 13 years old. She came and sat in the group as I was talking to him and another, another young kid. And she started listening to the story as I'm sharing it. And afterwards, this simple tool. What tool are you talking about? The bridge. The bridge illustration, Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. She, she, she's looking like, man, like I can just like see it in her face and she's just like really interested. So then I start changing my, my thought. I'm going I'm to I'm ask her, do you know Jesus? Have you made this decision before, A? And you know what she said? She said, no, I haven't. And I said, well, would you like to today? And she said, Yes. And I said, oh, yes? <laughs> you know how it is sometimes. Like, you share it a lot, and, and you get a lot of no's, and you get a yes, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so I start leading her through a prayer where she starts admitting that she had sinned against God. And she believed in Jesus Christ, and she confessed that he was Lord. And I said, hey, sister, you are now a sister to me, because you have given your life to Jesus today. And she said, yeah. And she got excited. Amen. She got excited. And then, and then we gave her my life with Jesus and said, we're going to follow up with you. Guys, follow up is really important. Follow up with your people. But we're going to follow up with you. And we're going to take you through my life with Jesus so you can understand the gospel more. We're going to go through it each week. We're going to talk to you about the decision you made today. Guys, these tools still work. But it's not just about the tools. It's about the heart. And it's not just about the heart. It's about the God behind the heart that gave you the heart. And he's making this appeal through you all the time. Do you believe that? God is making his appeal through you all the time in your workplace, like John Mark was mentioning. You, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you 
speak to one another, the way that you treat others. God is making his appeal through you all the time. Amen. Will you, will you trust him? Will you trust him? And when he gives you that moment and opportunity to share the gospel, will you share it? Will you share it? So at this, at this time, what I want to do is give us a time to pray. I don't want to do any diagnostic questions today. I want to give us a time to pray. Maybe today for the first time you're hearing the message of the gospel and you want to repent of your sins. And I just want to say, do it. Do it today. If you don't know Jesus, give your life to him and come to him and he will make you new. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior and ask him to be your boss and he will be that for you during this time. And if you want to take this time to do that, you can do that right now in your seat where you're at right now. But for those who have, here's what I want to ask you to do. Two things. I want to ask you to ask who in your life can I share the gospel with in this season? And I want you to take note of that person as God speaks to you as we pray. And the second thing is like it. I want you to commit to praying for that person to be reconciled to God. So here in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask us to do that. But here's a challenge I'm going to ask after that is this. Go and share it with that person. Don't wait. Do it this week. Go share it with that person. Whoever God speaks to you, share it with them. Teach them the, the love of Christ. Amen? Okay, I'm going to give you a second of prayer, and then I'm going to close us after a little bit. Oh, Father, we love you. Lord, help us to commit who you just spoke to us, to sharing the gospel, to praying for them. They may know Christ. And Lord, as we go from here, Lord, I pray that you help us to remember what um, one of the scriptures we went through last week, which is Matthew 28, 18-20, that you will be with us always to the end of the age. Lord, help us to believe that, to go with um, the power of Christ behind us and before us, and to go with boldness to share the gospel as we are. We pray all this in Jesus' name.